Hi there, I'm RN. And I'm AR, and this is the 32nd. Third log and the I can't count. It's the eighth discussion. I said the ninth one like a fool. It's it's the eighth discussion, folks. Eighth discussion. It's the 32nd log, and it's the eighth discussion. Been looking at Pokemon. Welcome to Woo! more research lab. Today's thesis, what are Pokemon typings, their history, and their integral role in gameplay? It's time to deep dive, folks. All right, folks, so it's important first to mention what the heck are typings? And please, once again, if it will help you in any shape or form, refer to episode two in order to get a sense about what we're gonna talk about here. I do mention what typings are in existence, like I list them off there. Um, all necessary links will be in the description, but please refer to that episode if you don't exactly know what's going on here, because this won't make sense and we're trying to have fun. Yeah. Right, so Pokemon are mostly based on animals, and if not animals, then inanimate objects, usually with some anthropomorphic traits. Uh, so if, for example, some there are some Pokemon that look like magnets, but with eyes, mm -hmm. as an example. Uh, some Pokemon are more literal in their representation as it comes to design, but Pokemon having specific characteristics mean they're associated with a certain element. And that's what a Pokemon type is. Every Pokemon in existence encompasses at least one element, if you will. And this helps to establish a fictive game-based pecking order, uh, in a sense. It's not so strict as it goes from top down, but that's kind of the idea. Um, it's not like a food chain per se, but it functions similarly. So if you take, a really, it's, a, it's kind of just like a really bland but stretch kind of thing. Let's take sharks, for example. Sharks eat fish and other smaller organisms and are considered apex predators, i.e. top of the food chain. So there are a few fish or mammals alike that can compete with the creature. Um, Pokemon typings function to establish what is strong against what, what is weak against what. And there are some contingencies to this formula, much like real life. But you know, if we, if we use the shark example, a a smaller fish cannot stand up to a shark, for example. It's that kind of relationship, if you will. Um, to summarize and simplify, Pokemon typings are elements attributed to given Pokemon, establishing what the Pokemon is strong against and what it is weak to. Um, unlike the a food chain in which a fish is always weak to a shark and a shark is weak to, I don't know, a blue whale, um, Pokemon typings work so every there's no put one there's not a given Pokemon typing that is the best Pokemon typing. No, that's, we that's like there is no really an apex predator of Pokemon. And typing. There's no typing that's technically the weakest. It's not like if you pick this typing that yes, that's like the worst one to pick. But there are some typings that share more disadvantages than advantages. But yeah, anyways, exactly. Uh, that being said, we are going to unpack the definition in this episode. Let's ask the simple question of what is the purpose of having typings in the game? And as RN said, attributing a type to a given Pokemon, it helps establish what Pokemon is strong against what and what it is weak to. Um, and consider that as of this episode, there are 18 types in existence, meaning the hundreds of Pokemon that are out there can be attributed, attributed to a given typing um, or combination of two typings from this selection. There, like there's a, it's, it's, wouldn't say it's like a probability-based thing. It's just that there are so many Pokemon in existence that could go one way or the other, you know? The purpose in the games then plays into the implicit strategy element the Pokemon uses without explaining it fully. Let's refer to the very first instances where players witness this process. The starter Pokemon. You can head on over and listen to those episodes, which details starter Pokemon more specifically. This sounds like when a YouTuber plugs like, go subscribe, go listen to the other episodes. Hit the bell, obliterate the like button. Yeah, all that stuff. Anyway, do, do go <laughs> listen to that episode if, um, because we talk about starter Pokemon more specifically. But these Pokemon are the first Pokemon introduced to the player and the first Pokemon the player has a chance to acquire. Without, with an option between these three Pokemon, the player sees that with a very few exceptions of specific games like Let's go Eevee and let's go Pikachu, for example. Um, the player sees that one is a grass type, one is a water type, and another is a fire type. And that is the golden trio, folks. These are uh, considered types, grass, water, fire. 
And as we see it play out, grass is super effective against water, water is super effective against fire, and fire is super effective against grass. The player is then aware that of the many Pokemon they will run into, something will always be strong against something else, but conversely possess weaknesses as this cycle shows. Um, thus, as it pertains to gameplay, the player should, through their journey, ideally, learn these power dynamics to create a balanced team and account for other battles with trainers who possess powerful Pokemon. Of course, the player playing the game, they can do whatever the heck they want, so that ultimately takes precedence over what I just said. But the game itself does imply, that's the implicit part, it does imply that it would help to have a diverse team. It is important that typing does not predicate a Pokemon's strength, and as Aran said, it's not like one uh, typing is stronger above the rest, or that one is weaker than everything else, it doesn't exactly work like that. Um, uh, but there are a couple e exceptions, kind of, sort of, since some types are inherently stronger overall compared to other types. And it, okay, the point here is that typing does not contribute to a Pokemon strength, but it can contribute to how strong an attacker it is or how strong a defender it is, or maybe it's pretty well balanced and it's both. Remember, every Pokemon has what's called stats. It is a set of stats and it tells you how sturdy, how strong, how fast, how many hits it can take, basically. The game tells you all that information. So, RN here. Let's refer to a- Gonna give us a case study. Woo, uh, as a case study <laughs> to help make sense of all this rambling, because I'm sure most of this so far hasn't really made much sense. So no. best way to understand this is through a case study. Charizard, we've already talked about over in that starter episode. Yeah. A popular Pokemon commonly seen across the franchise. It's it's everywhere. It's everywhere. It, it literally is everywhere. No, we're not going to do the front again. We already did this front no, in that we, episode. We so, can't. <laughs> yeah. It is a fire flying type. Order matters because um, depending on the order, it tells you whether it's a primary typing or a secondary typing, which influences what it's strong against, what it's weak, what it's weak to. Against. But so, like, keep, just keep that in mind, because we're going to get that into that in, in a bit. Mm -hmm. um, so we're going to explain that a little bit. So Charizard is a flyer flying type that boasts, boosts quite balanced stats. Um, so some of its stats, for example, so its HP is around, it's like this is base, right? So its HP is 78, its attack is 84, defense is 78, special attack is 109, Special defense is 85, speed is 100, so it's total stat, like it's total stat point thing. Total. Yeah, <laughs> that is 534. So as we can tell from those numbers, uh, this Pokemon is a strong special attacker. If you remember from episode two, there's an adventuring segment and battle segment to gameplay. In the battle segment, Pokemon possess moves. Moves are divided into three categories and they can be used to build on the Pokemon stats, deal heavy damage, or build defense, depending on how the player chooses to train their Pokemon. Many attacking moves are categorized as either special attacks, signified by a burst-like symbol, and other attacking moves are categorized as special attacks, signified by concentric circles. And the, basically, the uh, special attack attack stats to tell you what a Pokemon is better at. Yes. Uh, so, for example, in the case of Charizard, if you see the symbol, like the concentric circle symbol, um, attached to, let's say, like a fire-type move, then that'll be a move that's beneficial to Charizard because its special attack is really good. You're gonna want to teach it something special. It's not that it's an entire disadvantage if you teach it, like, let's say, a physical fire move, which has the burst-like symbol, but, um, it wouldn't do the same amount of damage because of the way these stats work. Math unfortunately matters. Um, in my experience, fire type moves, which like I said, can fall into either category of special or physical, do tend to be special. Meaning this Pokemon, for example, can reap the benefits of using a fire type move. Charizard is also quite fast. It's, it's I believe it's second best stat. Yeah, so its speed is 100 and a special attack is 109. Um, so it can potentially hit first. And if the type matchups work to the players slash the Pokemon's advantage, such as Charizard facing a grass type Pokemon, then using a fire type attack should do heavy damage and, you know, possibly one hit knock out the opponent. That'd be pretty ideal. Having a secondary typing um, also allows Charizard to learn flying type moves, which 
a fire type Pokemon on its own wouldn't be able to learn. Um, and that allows for what's commonly known as type coverage. This term broadly refers to how Pokemon makes up for their weaknesses or how it's able to expand um, its strength in attacking. And this is most applicable to Pokemon that only have, like, sorry, that have two typings. Although it can still apply if the Pokemon only is a single type. RN and I used the common phrases of dual type and monotype uh, to distinguish between the two. It's just the lingo that we kind of use. So if we say something is a dual type um, or has two typings, that's that's literally what it means. It's like a fire flying type, for example. And then monotype just refers if it's only one. It's, In the example of Charizard, it has good coverage or attacks well against bug, grass, fighting, steel, and ice types thanks to it being a fire flying dual type. So if it wasn't pop, so where the type coverage comes in means that if it wasn't pop flying, it wouldn't be super effective to a fighting type, nor would it be immune to ground types because levitating means you not touching the ground, hence flying types are immune to ground type moves. Mm -hmm. But having this typing presents other problems. And yeah, so um, one other thing is that let's say like fire type Fire types, for example, are normally weak to ground. So Charizard actually gets rid of one of its weaknesses by being a flying type, so that's a plus. But yes, as Aaron mentioned, there are some other problems here. There is some more math to be done, and this is unfortunately essential to understanding some of the key operatives to how a typing works. Um, there's a spectrum to how damage is calculated in a given Pokemon game, starting off with the highest amount of damage, super effective. You've probably heard us, like, you've heard it in previous episodes, you've heard us say it probably a lot. This term basically refers to the amount of damage um, a Pokemon can do in favor of the attacker and to the disadvantage of the defender. Super effective moves, this super effective means the move will do two times more than what it would normally do. So as Aaron stated with the base stats, the numbers uh, that Aaron mentioned with um, uh, the speed, uh, HP, all that stuff and what the numbers add up to, um, that is, I forgot what I was going to say. The stats mean like that if it would normally do this amount of damage, then if it's super effective, then it'll do twice that amount of damage. Because oh, that right. That's it. right. There's a number that's always attached to the, <laughs> that's so stupid. There's always a number that's attached to a move. It'll tell you how much move that'll do. For example, let's say Ember is a fire type move that a Pokemon that's a fire type in its early stage learns pretty at the beginning of the game. That'll say like 40 damage. Ember's special, right? Yes. Yeah, so it's a special move. It is 40 damage. So the math here is that if that move is super effective against something else, for example, the grass type, it'll do two times more. There, I think there's so, some more complicated yeah, math there as well. I think there well, is but... some more complicated math, but it's very basic level. What it basically means is that it'll take away 80 HP from a Grass-type Pokemon, mm -hmm. rather than taking 40 HP away from a Pokemon that a Pokemon type that's not weak to fire. Yes, th thank you. I You're welcome. can't, I can't, I can't English. English, I yeah, can't. we know. Okay, moving on. Um. All right, hold on. So another another um, case study in terms of weaknesses that a dual type Pokemon can have. Um, uh, and another, oh, sorry, yeah, I can't English. Hold on, hold on. I got this. I got this. I got this. A good example good? of another dual type Pokemon that can possess weaknesses is a Pokemon like Gastrodon, which is a water ground type. It is doubly weak to grass, for example, because grass is both super effective against water and it's super effective against ground. Um, similar to this is Charizard, which is fire is normally weak to rock and flying is also weak to rock. So even more damage will be done to Charizard if it's hit by a rock type move. Um, and that is what sometimes having two typings can lead to. It can lead to- but That's what we call being quad weak to something. There you go. It does four times the amount of damage. So if you used a grass type move, against Gastrodon, which is a water ground type, mm -hmm. and it does 40 damage usually, it will do 120 damage because it's quad weak. Yes, and um, but at the same time, much like Charizard, um, Gastrodon has an immunity to um, electric typing because ground is immune to electric. So it's like 
there's always that give or take kind of thing where it could go one way or the other. There's that huge bonus of having some immunities and availability to other moves that the Pokemon wouldn't normally get if it was only one or the other, but then there's also huge weaknesses to be dealt with. But if we move down the list, the next after super effective is effective, which is the normal amount of damage the move will do to a given Pokemon, stated by just the number one times. That's pretty straightforward. Right. The last two on the list uh, not very effective, which means the move only does half of what its effective number would be. So if it did 40 damage, it would only do 20 damage if it's not very effective. An example of this is when you use steel type move against a fire type. Uh, usually what it is, is um, not very effective moves will be if you're weak to a typing. So fire is super effective against steel. So conversely, steel type moves are not very effective against fire types. There are some exceptions to that rule, but that's generally where you find yes. not very effective and effective moves. And finally, we have no effect, which basically means it doesn't matter what you do, that type has zero effect, it does zero damage. And it refers to the special cases where some Pokemon, whether by virtue of having one or two typings, is completely immune to a given typing. Some type of immunities on an individual basis include the following. So ground is um, immune to electric. Flying is uh, immune to ground, as we already said. Mm -hmm. uh, ghost is immune to normal. But and normal fighting. Is also, and fighting. And normal is also immune to ghost. So literally you get a ghost and a normal type against each other. They literally they can't do anything. So I'll give it, I'll just like give type. a really kind of funny example. So um, there are people that, you know, obviously play Nuzlocke on YouTube and things like that. If someone is doing like a randomized Nuzlocke, for example, so the Pokemon they find aren't what they would normally find in a given game, if you get a Pokemon that only knows l normal type moves and you happen to run into a ghost type, you literally cannot do anything because neither Pokemon can hit each other. So it's such a stalemate situation, not very ideal. I mean, obviously you can kind of sort of use that to your advantage. So if your team's about to die and you have a normal type Pokemon in your team and you're a guest a ghost type, you can send out your normal Pokemon mm -hmm. to bide time while you heal up the rest of your Pokemon in order to go back out and fight it. So it, you can, it can either be a disadvantage or an advantage depending on the situation. Yes. But that's like a very specific case. Yes, study. it's a very, it doesn't it's happen often specific. either. <laughs> no, um, but if you have a dark, so dark is immune to psychic and steel is immune to poison. Uh, and of course, not every Pokemon is the dual typing, which means that when constructing a team, as AR said earlier, it's important to think about Pokemon weaknesses to get type coverage. So you can't always have that type coverage, and even when you have a dual typing, like if you had Gatchadon, you need a Pokemon that's super effective against grass. Like you need a fire type Pokemon, for example. Or flying. To, or a flying type to give yourself coverage to make up the weakness of so what that means in practice is if you have a Gastrodon, your opponent has a grass type Pokemon, you take back your Gastrodon and send out a Pokemon that's super effective against grass in order to get that type coverage um, across your team. Typically between the two of us, it, like um, when we play our respective games, we more or less defer to each other when we're trying to build a team. It's like, is this balanced? Yeah. Is there something we're missing? Um, sometimes if even in my personal experience, if I look over a team, I will look and see what weaknesses the team, my team members have, because if let's say, um, if you remember from episode two, you can only have up to six Pokemon in your party. So you can't use any more than six. It's not like you can have a reserve seventh or eighth member. You can only use what's in your party or what's in your bag technically. So yeah. if you look at your team and let's say three of your Pokemon share a weakness, that's not really an ideal situation because you wouldn't want half your team to be weak to let's say one or two things. That's that's not like not, that's you're not setting great. yourself up for failure in a way, especially if that typing happens to be a common one. Like fire is really common. Fighting is also another really common one. There are just some typings kind of as an unwritten rule where there are just some typings in a Pokemon game that are just so ridiculously common. So you don't want to have your team filled with those shared weaknesses, if that makes sense. Like to sum up, it's important to think about Pokemon weaknesses in order to make sure that your team won't be taken down mm -hmm. by one Pokemon that is super effective against most of your Pokemon and then you have no counter for it. Yes. So uh, like if your team is like mostly fire types, someone sends out a water type, you have no counter to that water type, you're dead. 
If it sends out really... if it sends out a rock or ground type, you face the same problem if you don't exactly. have a, a counter to either of those. So a good example of this can actually be found in Pokemon gyms, which AR talked about in episode two, where gym leaders of, more often than not specialize in a particular typing. For example, a fire type gym leader will more often than not use only fire type Pokemon, meaning that you can do practically an entire battle with that gym leader using only your single water type Pokemon or single ground type or fire mm -hmm. or rock type Pokemon. I've actually done this in the past because I tend to use water type starters because I have like a preference for yeah, that. Right. Um, but so when I, if I'm doing a fire type gym, I just basically, I have my water type Pokemon out and I just do an entire gym battle and I just, and the, the fire, the gym leader has like three Pokemon and I just take his and out their entire team using just my one Pokemon because that gym leader has no counter for a water type because he, they only use fire type, right? Right, right. Of course, there are exceptions to this rule, and actually it makes gym battles much more interesting if there are exceptions to the rule. So yes. for example, gym leader Rahane from Pokemon Sword and Shield barely uses any dragon types at all. And the only two he does use are both dual types, a Flygon, which is dragon flying, and a Duraludon, which is dragon steel. So that makes the gym battle much more interesting because he doesn't use to be dragon type, so you can't do that. You can't take down his entire team using only one typing because he doesn't have that weakness a lot of gym leaders do. For example, with the like steel dragon, dragon steel, I forget the actual order that Duraludon yeah. has its typings in. I believe it's steel dragon, might be wrong. But what that means is uh, dragon types have certain weaknesses, but one of the biggest weakness that a dragon type has, steel type is super effective against. I want to talk more about those power dynamics in uh, in the next coming section, so I won't mention the typings by name just yet, but that's basically how that becomes complicated. Sometimes having a second typing completely mediates one of the Pokemon's major weaknesses. I'll say in a personal instance of mine, I was doing um, kind of sort of a Nuzlocke. I wouldn't consider it my first Nuzlocke because I was way more lenient about the rules but i was doing a playthrough of pokemon x and i had a hippowdon which is a pure ground type from generation um four i'd sent that into a gym where there's an electric type gym leader and i thought man i'm set this will be easy right and i basically sweep the gym with just that one pokemon i come to the gym leader and he is a pokemon called a heliolisk and that Heliolisk happened to have a grass type move I didn't know about. And because of the way that the damage was calculated, my ground type just died. And because I was semi-treating it like a Nuzlocke, it counted as a death. So I'm like, well, this is great. I don't have anything else to hard counter this gym with because the only Pokemon I had to deal with this gym is now dead because I didn't account for the situation that this Pokemon would have a grass type move of all things. I remain frustrated about that to this day. It, it's oh, just... really? We couldn't tell. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just, or in a more like random instance in my platinum nuzlocke and you could hear me go about it off in that section i was facing one trainer that had a pokemon that was just doing it, it was a normal type move i had a fire type pokemon out and it kept doing so much damage to me i just didn't understand why because it's just both typings are just effective against each other it's not like one of them is super effective against the other like fire and normal is just like eh, pairing but as you can see there's a lot of complicated nuance and math that goes on with this, depending on the strength of the move, the weaknesses of the Pokemon, but that's the basics of Pokemon typings. Yes, that is uh, what Pokemon typings at its core, that's what they are. They have a lot of variations to its pairings, its functions in the game, how it applies to the moves a Pokemon can learn, Pokemon moves themselves, are all very much concerned with what a Pokemon typing is. So, I guess it's time to move on and just talk a little bit more about typings in general. Woo! Woo! Alright, so this is going to be more of like a summary about typings and uh, just some things that we want to talk about, interesting fun facts, how things have kind of changed over time, our personal opinions, and so on. So let's get into it. 
Um, so, for example, let's start with Japanese folklore. Um, it is a, the cultural aspect that, at the end of the day, is underpinning this franchise. And I think it actually is concerned with the role of typings in many ways. And if we look at a couple quotes from the book of Yokai, quote, in a sense, yokai is nothing more than a convenient label to indicate a whole range of otherwise ineffable experiences that might, in English, be translated with the words spirits, goblins, phantoms, specters, sprites, shapeshifters, demons, fantastic beings, numinous occurrences, the supernatural, and perhaps most commonly today, monsters, end quote. The other quote mentions, quote, and where do we find the yokai of folklore? Often they reside within some kind of story, usually a legend or a folk tale, end quote. So Pokemon itself, the word is a combination of pocket and monster, pocket monster, that's what it means. And like I said, I think this is actually quite concerned with Pokemon themselves and typings. For example, some Pokemon with multiple stages of evolution adopt new typings upon evolution, um, which may not be concrete transitions from the previous form. But it makes sense if we consider that yokai, which, I mean, it doesn't really mean demon per se, but it does, as that definition from the book stated, it's a quite complex word to define. Um, uh, there are many forms that yokai can take, there are many forms Pokemon can take, and like I said, typings are quite integrated into that relationship. One example uh, of this is the Pokemon Lampent, um, which its various entries read. I'm gonna read some of the more recent games uh, entries. So in Pokemon X, it says, quote, the spirits it absorbs fuel its baleful fire. It hangs around hospitals waiting for people to pass on, end quote. Um, in Sword, quote, this Pokemon appears just before someone passes away, so it's feared as an emissary of death, end quote, and its shield entry reads, quote, it lurks in cities pretending to be a lamp. Once it finds someone whose death is near, it'll quietly, it'll trail quietly after them, end quote. So these are very ominous entries for a Pokemon. This is still a kid's game at the end of the day, folks. Um, so reading this is kind of just a bit jarring. It's a little bit startling. And if you actually use the Pokemon Lampent, which I have, it's not something you think about, but then these entries are just so dark and I don't, I don't, I don't, I, yeah, like I don't know. Yeah. So just the way that, the way that these entries kind of tell them time of the typings is Lampent is a fire ghost type. It's or ghost, ghost fire. fire. It's ghost, ghost fire. fire. Ghost fire. It's ghost and it's about spirits and an emissary of death. Mm -hmm. One of the funnier things I've seen in relation to this is um, when you're taking care of your Pokemon, like there's various mechanics in the game that allow you to take care of your Pokemon. Yes. And one of the ones in Sword and Shield is that you can go camping with your Pokemon, right? And you mm -hmm. can like cook food for them and it's very nice. But when you're to talking, to Lampent, because you can kind of talk to like, the Pokemon doesn't speak, but it's like- Makes sounds. What, it makes sounds, yeah. Uh, one of the entries that come up when you're talking to Lampent is, Lampent looks like it wants to be with you forever, which is very foreboding, um, considering that the shield entry uh, says, once it finds someone whose death is near, it will trail quietly after them. Like, so just, if, it, just, if it wants to be with you forever, it's already decided from that point it's gonna follow you everywhere, right? Which means that you yeah. are close to death? <laughs> Question mark? So it's like- It's mildly terrifying. Mildly, just mildly. Just, just, a tad. just On the flip just. side, while some Pokemon like Lampent have these complex and eerie stories attached to them, which seem like they could be rooted in folklore. Yeah, there's an actual story with Lampent, you know? Yeah, but we have Pokemon that they just here to be a joke. For example, Magikarp. So oh. some of the background on Magikarp, it's been around since Gen 1. Mm -hmm. And it has this move called Splash, which doesn't actually do anything. Basically what will happen is you have Magikarp, it'll do Splash. And I'll say, Magikarp but, use, ha use Splash. It had no effect. It's literally or, the most useful or, or we'll say, but nothing happened. But nothing happened, right? <laughs> because it's literally this useless thing. And the game over time have gone from like mildly making fun of Magikarp to just completely roasting it. Yes. 
So just because we were going to choose just one entry to read to you, but these are all just so funny. I decided I had to read them all because they're so funny. So I'm just going to go through, bear with me. And I think you'll agree that these are actually hilarious. So it's red, blue entry uh, reads. In the distant past, it was somewhat stronger than the horribly weak descendants that exist today. Horribly. Horribly weak, ouch. Um, so the gold entry, we're just steadily downgrading. Deteriorating. Here. Yeah. Um, gold says about Magikarp, an underpowered, pathetic Pokemon. It may jump high on rare occasions, but never more than seven feet. Why seven? That's so oddly specific. <laughs> Ruby. Ruby. Like, literally, we just... It's just... The, the games are just... Literally just... It's getting worse. It's getting so worse hard. for Magikarp. <laughs> yeah. So it's Ruby entry states. Magikarp is a pathetic excuse for a Pokemon <laughs> that is only capable of flopping and splashing. This behavior prompted scientists to undertake research into it. <laughs> Why does the Pokemon only splash? Why? Yeah. So it's fire red entry. It's even worse. It is virtually worthless in terms of both power and speed. It is the most weak and <laughs> pathetic Pokemon in the world. Like, <laughs> Not a good day to be Magikarp. It's not a good day to be Magikarp. Um, it's Diamond One. It's like arguably, arguably, it's Diamond One is even worse. It is said to be the world's weakest Pokemon. No one knows why it has managed to survive. Like we're reaching suicide baiting levels of <laughs> this is just here, guys. No, the the entry is like, look at you. You're. You're so useless. How <laughs> are you, you alive? Exist? And then Magikarp, all it can do is just go Kerp. Splash. Splash. The black white entry says a Magikarp living. It's it, like the black white entry is slightly more humorous, but it's still depressing. Yeah. A Magikarp living for many years can leap a mountain using Splash. The move remains useless. So it will succeed in the Olympics in high jump or something like that. It just, it's just won't mean anything useless. elsewhere. It's just useless. It's just useless. It just, yeah. And a couple, and the rest of them, there are more. There are a couple. There are a couple more, but they mainly repeat those earlier ones. But those are the yeah. funniest ones we picked out. It's just like it's just poor. Like I feel kind of bad for Magikarp. I mean, Magikarp is useless. It does nothing. It's really once crappy. it evolves. There's the payoff is huge, so it's worth it. But hmm. it's like because I I have I haven't I wouldn't say I've used a Gyarados its evolution. I I wouldn't say I've used a Gyarados fully in the games that I've played. Sometimes in early game I'll use it or I'll it, at least evolve it because Gyarados Can is I still good say, to have. Though, but the other the funny thing about Gyarados is it's it's a so Magikarp's a water type and when it evolves it gains a flying type. But if you look up Gyarados, it's literally like it looks like a classic. Chinese dragon. Yes, it has that like type. serpent um, feature. Like it serpent. lacks it lacks the hands, but it otherwise really fits the image. It fits the image of that like the classic like wingless Chinese esque dragon. Yes, but it's not a dragon type. It's a water flying type, which so, I find really weird. I don't really get it. It but... shares the same like confusion with Charizard, which is that both of them have dragon like features in different but ways. Neither of them, but are neither of them are dragon types. Um, but it's funny. It's there, weird. But anyway, so Magikarp exists. But there are some other random and funny uh, Pokedex entries about other Pokemon, which I found both funny and a little bit sad. So the first is Yamask, which was introduced in Generation Five. The Pokedex entry for Yamask in Pokemon Black and Pokemon Y reads, "Quote: Each of them carries a mask that used to be its face when it was human. Sometimes they look at it and cry." End quote. So. The Pokemon, it, it, it has Mildly that like horrifying. sarcophagi motif because it, it is a ghost type, but it's meant to be like it, they used to be human and now like the spirit. It has like the mummy spirit. It's a really cool motif, in my opinion, though. And Cofagrigus, its evolution, like it's a really interesting Pokemon design wise, story wise. It technically does have, it's more like Lampent in a way, which is that it does have some folklore attached to it. But then there's this, these two entries that just say, it. sometimes they just look at that mask and it cries. That just is so, it's like sad, but like in a funny way. This is way. meant to be a kid's game. But it's just, what? it's like, 
You just, it just looks at, at the mask. It just I, mean, goes, yeah. I have to say, like, your mask, if anyone listening has ever watched Avatar The Last Airbender, like, the whole your mask situation just reminds me of No Face. Yeah. For some reason, the face dealer from Avatar The Last Airbender, if anyone's watched that show, like, this is meant to be a kid's game. Like, it's and a- the next Pokemon okay. that also is just, it's just kind of ironic is Yanmego, which is a bug flying Pokemon. It's Pokemon Y entry reads, quote, this six-legged Pokemon is easily capable of transporting an adult in flight. The wings on its tail help it stay balanced, end quote. So there is a very explicit part here that says the Pokemon can fly. Yanmega cannot learn the move fly. <laughs> what? It is a bug flying type. It it's can't like, learn fly. This Pokemon can fly, yet it can't actually learn the move fly. Which, if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong. I've not really used this Pokemon or know the game very well. But um, it allows, like in earlier games, it allows that move, like outside of battle, allows you to be carried places. Yes. So it, la- it allows you to be transformed. I believe Yanmega was introduced in Generation Four. Its prior ev- evolution is Yanma. Yanmega has a really cool design. It- it's actually like a really cool looking Pokemon. It has the. Tr- it's it's like based off of a dragonfly. Yeah, it's based off of a dragonfly. So like the funny thing is, right? It's the, like the greatest the offense with this Pokemon is that one, it can't learn fly, and two, it's not a dragon type. But so it's based off of a dragonfly. Is not a dragon type. Is and a flying can't... type, but it can't fly. <laughs> so, because the thing about in earlier games is that you can use Pokemon moves outside of battles to get around obstacles. Mm-hmm. Uh, the move fly allowed you to be transported places, like kind of like a fast travel esque thing, right? Mm-hmm. And it cle- and you're a child in most of these games, and it clearly states in its Pokemon entry it's easily capable of transporting an adult in flight, but it, it does. It's like it's just like the Pokemon is just like nope, not carrying you anywhere. <laughs> it's like. Give I it can, up. but I'm not going to. <laughs> and finally, a Pokemon that was, I believe, introduced in Generation 1, Mankey. Um, its Pokemon Sun entry really cracked me up. I don't know if it's okay that it did. Quote, it can spontaneously become enraged. Everyone near it clears out as it rampages, and the, res- and the resulting loneliness makes it angrier still. End quote. Why is that so funny? So it becomes really mad and then everyone leaves because it's scared of it. And then it's like still mad because no one wants to be friends with it. (laughs) It's just just in a perpetual state of anger and frustration. Like nothing's working. Why are you all leaving? (laughs) My life is still working. There's a kind of energy that Mankey radiates that I kind of relate to. You know what I'm saying? No, 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 no. Mankey is just a mood. It's just just an entire mood. That is a fact. That is a fact. Splash? Splash. 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 Okay, prior to Generation 4, before 2006 basically, all Pokemon games followed this format as it pertained to the way damage was dealt. So this section is going to talk about typing interactions and again, personal opinions and just fun things we want to talk about typing. So let's first start with what was called the physical special split. There were, uh, and this is uh, from Bulbapedia, the move categories used from generation one to three are listed below. So the typings that were categorized as physical typings were normal, fighting, flying, poison, ground, rock, bug, ghost, steel, and what was classified as special was fire, water, grass, excuse me, electric, psychic, ice, dragon, and dark. And please keep in mind that this is way before fairy typing was introduced, so um, fairy typing would have no place in this spectrum. And to make sense, I'm just going to read from the Bulbapedia page. The physical special split allows Pokemon to use moves from a wider variety of types. For example, prior to Generation 4, Sneasel, which has a uh, much greater attack than special attack, was not effective at using moves with Stab. Stab just refers to when a Pokemon can get even a slightly random number of higher damage of a move it uses. Um, But anyways, of using moves with Stab, due to Ice-type moves and Dark-type moves both being special. What is the point of having a Pokemon that is really good at attack 
but its typings are special typings. Several new moves were introduced to give more balance to formally all special and all physical types, such as the physical psychic type moves, Zen headbutt and psycho cut, and the special fighting type moves, focus blast, vacuum wave, and aura sphere. Other moves such as hyper beam, which was physical prior to generation four, but is now special, gained physical counterparts with the same characteristics in this in this case, giga impact. So from generation one to three, basically what this all means is that typings were not just categorized in a way that was like, oh, this move is special, this move is physical kind of thing. The typings themselves were actually had an attribution to it. This typing was physical, this typing was special, but that could sometimes be to the detriment of some Pokemon as it is in the case of Sneasel prior to generation four. But um, this function um, was eliminated by generation four. So we no longer had to deal with this, these shenanigans. Um, the other thing that was with generation one to generation three, the physical special split meant that psychic type Pokemon was seriously broken and overpowered. Yes, so psychic also, like for example, if we're gonna look at just like kind of this bottled history of typings, psychic Pokemon were very, very overpowered before they had, because uh, even when dark type Pokemon were introduced, which I believe was generation two, I might be wrong, so don't quote me on it, but um, it's only weaknesses, let's say in generations one was bug and ghost and um, Let's see, Psychic was actually still super effective against Ghost, and even if it wasn't super effective against Bug, it still did normal damage. Bug and Ghost were not the most common typings, and the Pokemon that tended to encompass those typings were quite frail, so they couldn't necessarily take a hit. So the moment you stand up to a Psychic Pokemon, even if even though you're, you're supposed to have the type advantage, it doesn't actually matter. The Psychic Pokemon will just wipe, wipe you out. Um, also in the past, Psychic Pokemon used to be able to hit Dark-type Pokemon even if it wouldn't do much damage, but then they completely changed that, I think, by Generation 6 or something, and made it so that Dark are immune to Psychic. So when we mentioned before that Dark has the immunity against Psychic types, like they won't take damage from it at all, um, that didn't exist um, uh, necessarily in earlier generations. It was still kind of broken. And also, mentioning newer typings, Fairy, which was introduced in Generation 6, which would have been 2013, um, that typing is immune to Dragon. Um, so that was one that yeah, we didn't mention to before. Mention that earlier, sorry. But it's not like it's a forgettable one either, because it was also like, it's technically still the most recent typing that was introduced. We haven't had a new typing since Fairy. Um, and that Dragon types were fairly unchecked in the meta. Like they didn't have, like you had counters to Dragon types, of course. But it's only two weaknesses was ice and dragon and it resists fire so it's like and dragon typing also you tend to get a broad range of ac like move access so dragon typing typically can learn a lot of moves um and ice type pokemon like, so most dragon types tend to also have like fire type moves because yeah. you know dragons breathe fire and before quickly talking about some personal anecdotes with the experiences of using pokemon at certain typing i'll quickly just mention that there was something called the question mark type which was removed in Generation 5 entirely, hasn't been seen since, which was just for this one move that exists called Curse, and I believe it was just like a stat-raising move or something. Just the randomest thing ever, but that type actually no longer exists. So you could technically say that at one point or another there was that extra typing, but it no longer exists. And it Anyways. wasn't applicable to any Pokemon? No. It was just for the one move? It was just for the one move. There was no Pokemon that would actually have the question mark typing. Um, maybe let's say for some glitches or some unpublished Pokemon, but not in the meta itself. So yeah, that was more of like a random yeah. fun fact. Let's get into talking about some typing dynamics we've come across, just experiences. Um, yeah, so, you know, you with start? the whole dragon thing, I actually have a personal experience with um, why dragon types are pretty overpowered, yeah. just generally, because the dragon types are weak to as of right now, they're weak to three things. They're weak to dragon types. So dragon is super effective against dragon. It's weak to ice types and it's weak to, weak to fairy types. Now the problem with that is that you get quite a few dragon types that are dual typing. So how I talked about earlier, I talked about Rahain, Gym Leader Rahain from Pokemon mm -hmm. Sword and Shield. Um, and the thing that makes him really hard is that his like signature Pokemon. So a gym leader will usually have a signature Pokemon 
that they'll save until the end and it'll be their strongest Pokemon. Yeah. And it'll have all the special gimmicks and stuff that are attached to it. Right, right. Um, but, so Rahane's signature Pokemon is called Duraludon, and it's a steel dragon type, if I'm not mistaken. Is it I a believe, steel dragon? I, I, believe dragon it's, I believe it's steel dragon, because once again, right. order does matter. Order does matter because it means that, um, it, like, the primary typing and the secondary typing. So it does kind of matter what order they go in. I believe it's Dragon Steel. It um, is Steel. It is Steel Dragon. I just found it. Oh, out. okay. Steel Dragon. Never mind. Anyways. Me. So it is. It's a Steel Dragon type. Uh, but what that means is Steel is super effective against Fairy. Mm-hmm. And correct me if I'm wrong. I also believe it's super effective against Ice. Yes, it is. Which is a problem because that means. It has practically no weaknesses because dragon resists fire, which is super effective at steel. So like it has, it literally, it's a really, really overpowered Pokemon because I was in the dragon gym and I had got a vanilla ice, which is an ice type. And I was like, oh, I'm ready to use this as my counter to his dragon type. I get to the gym and the Duraludon is steel dragon. So he just KO'd my Pokemon. And I gave up and basically ended up just running an ice type move on my water type Pokemon because I was like, what, what, I can't get a fairy type because Steel is super effective against fairy. What I meant to do, exactly. Yeah, so you're just put in this pickle and you, you can't exactly do things. And that's one instance where dual typing really works to the advantage of the attacker in the case of Duraludon. Another overpowered pairing is fairy steel, which is the typing that Zacian has the the box art legendary from Pokemon Sword. Um, right. How is Fairy Steel broken? Well, it resists um, a lot of things. It resists fighting, which Steel is normally weak to, but because Fairy resists it, fighting won't do as much. Um, I believe Fire is still super effective because I think Fire is effective against Fairy and Fire is super effective against Steel. So that is a weakness I think it still possesses. But it's immune to- that's, that's literally the only one. It's immune to poison. To it it's down, immune to poison because Steel is immune to poison, but poison is, is the only other typing in the game that is super effective against Fairy. So you get rid really of its broken. two biggest weaknesses. And the funny thing is, right, there's all these, like, yeah, like you get often get arguments in the community about what because um every game has a box art legendary right uh and there's often arguments in the game about like which legendary is better in this game it's not even a question right you have zassian and you have zamazenta which is uh, the shield counter which is shield so shield so zamazenta is fighting steel i <laughs> believe yeah right? i believe so yeah yeah so it's fairy steel versus fighting steel. Fairy is super effective against fighting. Steel is not effective against steel because it's the same typing and you don't really tend to have, other than like special cases like ghost and dragon. Dragon, yeah. Uh, typings often, m- most often resist themselves. Yes, or just do normal damage. Or just do normal damage, right? So literally Zacian versus Zamazenta, Zacian wins every time because Zamazenta has no counter to Zacian because Fairy steel. Fairy is super effective against fighting. Mm-hmm. Fighting is not super effective against. And fighting, I think fighting is. Fighting, I'm. Is fighting super effective against steel? I don't know. It, I'm not it is, but no, but it no. So fighting is super effective against steel, but fairy resists fighting. So it basically just cancels out and doesn't and do, either resists it or does normal damage. Also because um. The fairy. Uh, so Zafian is just. Killing Zamazenta. Every also, time. what Z- what Zamazenta has an additional weakness in, I believe, is that I do think it's still weak to flying, which Zacian doesn't have to worry about because no. Zacian is Fairy Steel, not Fighting Steel. So, so basically, um, in conclusion, Fairy Steel is just the most broken typing. Let me tell you that ever. in Generation Six, because I mean, this is kind of funny. So, the three legendary Pokemon that were introduced in the games in Pokemon X, we got Xerneas, which is this really, really cool. Um, a deer-looking Pokemon. Its antlers are in the shape of an X. And then we have Iveltal in Pokemon Y, which is this kind of wyvern bird-like Pokemon, and its body is shaped like a Y. And then we have technically the Trio Master, which is Zygarde, and it 
it isn't it, it's it's a serpentine like creature um so it swirls kind of like a zed if you will and it kind of has like this crest that goes around its head that it makes it look like a like a frill or something it's i don't know like a king if you will anyways the the, the overpoweredness of xerneas in this entire dynamic is very overwhelming so xerneas is the first fairy type legendary introduced and it's also a pure fairy type has no other typing it's literally the first fairy typing legendary um the problem with the other two legendaries is they are both extremely weak to this pokemon so evelt hall for how cool it is is a dark flying type dark is weak to fairy so it, it's not really a contest you can't really do anything mm -hmm. And, and for Zygarde, it's even worse because it's a dragon type. Dragon has no effect against fairy, and fairy is super effective against dragon. There is no the reason problem, for you to send in a Zygarde against a Xerneas. You're just gonna yeah, lose. Yeah, and then and the problem that you face, that I faced with Duraludon is eliminated because the only reason I had problems with Duraludon is Duraludon is steel dragon. So it has that secondary typing that negates its weaknesses. Zygarde doesn't have that. No. So, Zygarde is actually, is it possesses the same weakness as another Pokemon, which is that it's quad weak to ice. <laughs> so hey, that's not hey. ideal, not ideal. No, no. It's not great, no. So, and evolve, so another thing with them, that's kind of funny about Zygarde, which is I think it's considered the trio master of those three, but it actually can't really do anything to either of the other Pokemon because ground, its signature move, Land's Wrath, is a ground type move. You can't hit Eveltal because it's dark flying. <laughs> its other moves are also dragon type moves, which you can't do anything to Xerneas. So like Xerneas and Eveltal are just chilling and then Zygarde just there like, I guess I suck. <laughs> he did. It, admittedly, it kind of does, because it's like, yeah, they're kind of useless. What do you do, you know? Um, and in some kind of like uh, funny instances, um, there there is a Pokemon, a legendary Pokemon from Generation 2 called Lugia, which most people always assume is a water flying type, but actually it's psychic flying and people don't understand why, because it looks like it would be more like a water type than a psychic type but it's still somehow a psychic type so it's kind of funny how sometimes the typings are really on the nose for some pokemon and then in other cases it's like i don't think that typing makes much sense and that's actually something we kind of went over with the starter pokemon episode but i think that kind of wraps up our thoughts for now about uh pokemon typings because i mean well, this is something we could definitely investigate a bit more in the future yes. since we've set it up but yes mm. it's time to wrap up but folks this was the lore research labs findings on what are Pokemon typings, their history, and their integral role in gameplay from Pokemon? Thank you for tuning in, folks, and we'll, we'll see you next time. time. We did it. We did it. That was it. Yeah. All right. All right, Toodles. We did it. We did it. Bye. Bye. Bye.